makes it a two-point game. Oh, here's your mismatch right here. Now it's Luka. Deep three on the floor. Luka Magic. Welcome back to 77 Minutes in Heaven, the Dallas Mavericks podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Brian Damaris, and with me as always is the voice of the Mavericks, Mark Followell. Good afternoon, Brian. Pleasure to be speaking with you as we inch ever closer to the restart of the NBA season. We are just, uh, as we record on this Thursday, July the 16th, we're two weeks away from the start of the season. Now, that's that's the league start. That's not the Mavs restart. That, of course, is two weeks from tomorrow, the 17th. And it just so happens in that game, they'll be playing the Houston Rockets. And later on in the podcast, uh, we have already taped an interview and we're going to hear from the very talented voice of the Rockets, Craig Ackerman. And we're going to do an in-depth look at the Mavs Rockets first game right out of the shoot from uh, the Houston perspective. And he's got a lot of interesting things to say about uh, how he views Dallas in that first game as well. Yeah, similar teams in, in, in a lot of ways. And Microball, obviously the kind of biggest uh, structural change in terms of how the game is played by a team. And so they're, they're a real intriguing case study. But we do have Mavs news and league news to go out, go through first. So I think that uh, we've now heard from Rick Carlisle and assorted players six times since they have reached the bubble as of last week, Brian. They've gone three days in a row, day off, three days in a row practice, and then tomorrow, Friday the 17th, will be another day off. Uh, so Rick has been speaking every day. He, he characterized the first three days of practice. So basically, the first day was kind of at about a four. The second day was at a seven. Uh, the third day was at about a nine. Then they took some time off. Uh, they've continued the ramp-up process. Uh, one of the things that Rick spoke about uh, today, they had their first morning practice. He did note that that was obviously a little bit different than what they have been doing down there. But noted that today they're to the point now where they are scrimmaging five-on-five, live five-on-five during practice. They're trying to mix it up where it's not just starters against the second team, mixing players around and doing things like that. And so he said that uh, they went hard and it was very competitive and and very productive, and everybody came through it uh, from that perspective today. So, uh, you know, first things first, uh, you know, before getting just into all of the the machinations of the bubble and everything that I wanted to speak of, from a Mavs perspective, that's the report from from what Rick had to say today about how how things are progressing and their ramp up to the start of the season. Yeah, and the the other news is that Jalen Brunson remained back in Dallas. He wasn't expected to be a part of uh, playing anyway, but he stayed back. For uh, to finish up his rehab, I was a little surprised by that. And and Rick said today, Brian, that the reason was that he's in the final stages of his rehab, and they just felt like it was better for him to do what he needed to do in Dallas rather than be down there, as the case is with with the White Powell and Courtney Lee. But Rick was very clo- very clear in pointing out that even though he's in his final stages of rehab, there is no chance of playing, no matter how far they go on the restart of the season. Uh, the other bit of news is they're still awaiting the arrival of Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. Yeah. Um, some kind of, you know, working out how to get him there. I don't know what that means. Yeah, I'm in, um, the, I'm in the same boat you are. I'm not it's, really too concerned. He's a, you know, third-tier player for the team. But yeah. it is a body because you don't have Colley Stein, you don't have Brunson, and you don't have Powell. 
Yep, and Lee. And Lee. So yeah. that's four players right there. So. And, and, and as we talked about when the news first came down here on the podcast about Lee, look, that's a bigger deal than I think people recall. It's been so long ago, and we've forgotten so much probably about what was going on. But, dude, Courtney Lee was playing quite a bit and playing quite well for about two weeks before the season was shut down on March the 11th. And so when Colley Stein opted out, opted not to go, they did have that roster spot. They decided to go point guard rather than wing with Trey right. Burke. But you still have some, you know, you've got Curry, you've got Finney Smith, Hardaway, but, you know, there's not a lot behind that yep. really for, for wings. So you want to keep those guys healthy uh, and playing. So that's kind of the state of the team. Um, and I know something that you and I talked about before we started recording you know, the bubble has been uh, – player. you know, we've had a couple of uh, players already get in trouble. Rashawn Holmes from the Kings. Right. Um, you know, was looking for food. I think uh, – no, he was the one that went and got a Postmates delivery mm-hmm. outside of the hotel. Right. Um, it was a, actually a Rockets player that went out of his room. Bruno Caboclo. Yes, yeah. to, to the front right. desk to ask about other food options during the quarantine first couple of days. Um, I'm really encouraged that we haven't seen any knucklehead behavior from the Mavs. Yes, very um, much so. You haven't seen stupid posts complaining about food or accommodations, you know, being tone deaf in that way. I like that everybody's wearing the same message uh, on the back of their jerseys. They're, they're being fun with their uh, social messaging. Um, it, it, you know, you're seeing... Luca take fun shots at the end of practice it, and it, make them. <laughs> it just seems like there's a uh, everybody's in it together. They've got the right perspective. I think that that comes from the leadership of of, of Luca and KP and 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 Powell and some of the other players there as well as you know what Rick is kind of imparting to them. And I love what he says about embracing this as a unique opportunity and not looking at it negatively. Um, so I'm really encouraged just on a kind of aesthetics standpoint Luca's gonna be he's gonna be like Larry Bird and Michael Jordan were in those McDonald's commercials remember (laughs) they're basically like in the catwalks of the roof of a gym and making shots after it's bounced off like eight different things calling the shot that's what that's what Luca is going to be you knew that he was a fisherman (laughs) and Kleba as well Kleba I asked him today on media availability he said he had never been fishing before until he came to the states and he'd only been a couple of other times and and uh and obviously since uh, his picture was all over social media with also landing a pretty big fish like Luke this week, I had to ask him about that. But, but no, look, your, your point I, I think is so spot on, Brian. And, and I don't have the tweet in front of me, but J.J. Barea earlier this week. Yes, uh, I saw that today. Yeah, tweeted about you know, how much he appreciated what the NBA has done uh, and what the accommodations were like. And, and you know, it, it does need to be said and this story needs to be told. Uh, and and not just I, I love exactly what you said that the Mavs are embracing and then Rick is encouraging them to embrace it. But what the NBA is doing in terms of planning and preparation and putting this together down there is I mean it's a Herculean effort. Uh, you know it's it from the outside looking in it looks amazing what they're doing. I, I've got some broadcast thoughts I'll share later on. But what they're doing in terms of this bubble look. Uh, if it if it doesn't make it, then I don't see how anybody else could possibly do it because the NBA has worked so hard to make sure that this is something that that at least so far looks pretty sustainable to me. 
Yes, you know, there have been a lot of talk over the last few days about the snitch line, and there have been a couple yeah. of calls and yep. a couple of warnings given out. But listen, I don't, you know, this isn't, you know, the streets. I mean, this, this is people's lives and money at stake. And, and if somebody's being a moron, yeah. then they need to be called out on it. Yep. And, and I don't know if you saw in the statement, so the, the league sent out a memo to kind of re-enhance and re-emphasize some of the protocols. Right. Uh, about you know wearing a mask at all times. Mm-hmm. I saw you know a video in the in the players' lounge, and you know Donovan Mitchell was playing with somebody. You know no masks on. They're supposed to have masks anytime they're not going to practice or games. Right. And, and this quote really struck me. Uh, one of the points of emphasis was dressing appropriate when receiving room service. Mm. That has to be outlined and emphasized. <laughs> Wow. I guess just a towel is not okay when ordering your room service. I mean, are you kidding me? Wow. Well, and I know that I, you know, just from some off-air conversations, I know that was a, a big issue you had personally yeah. when you were on the road with the Mavs that you had to kind of have a talking to several times several, about, about that. many things. <laughs> well, it I does I, bring up a story Dirk told me about room service and players, but uh, that's something I'll have to share with you <laughs> off the air. Uh, I, I look forward to that. But no, I, look, I think your point is great and, and and about what the Mavs are doing down there. Uh, I love the social media access that Rick is granting. Uh, you know, that's that's obviously goes against probably, you know, a, a lot of what a coach is about. He wants, you know, ranks closed as much as possible and, you know, doesn't want to let people in too much when it comes to the sanctity of the team and the locker room and the group and things like that. And, you know, Rick's always been great in terms of the degree that he's going to allow guys like me and Coop to be closer than most, but we're still not, you know, penetrating obviously way, way into the depths of, of the group and the team and that sort of thing. But, 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 you know, he's really given a lot of great social media access uh, to Jason Shenick chopper, as we call him, he works on our TV broadcast and he's down there shooting for the, for the Mavs social media. And, and, you know, it's, we're, we're getting some great images and we're seeing that. And Rick brought this up in his media availability today, Brian, that this is one of the most unique team building situations that they're ever going to experience. And those guys are, are really taking advantage of that. What that's going to mean for chemistry on the floor as it relates to winning and losing games, who knows? We'll see. And, and there's no real quantifiable way to measure it, but obviously you have to look at it as a positive. And, you know, most of the reporters are in quarantine right now. Uh, they have a 10-day quarantine because they flew commercially and haven't been tested prior to getting to Orlando. But even when they're out, uh, they can go to the games, to practices, mm-hmm. and back to their hotel which yeah. is separate from any player's hotel. Right. So they don't get to go on the golf course or, you know, go fishing. There's no embedded, like none of the, like the only access we're going to get of the players is from their own social media feeds. Yeah. Yep. And so that is an important part of keeping the fans kind of engaged and having a fun look at what's going on. And I think after this initial wave of maybe some, some tone deafness. I think we're seeing the more positive side of NBA bubble life coming out. And because, yeah, even the reporters that are there, we're just not going to get a lot from them outside of the standard issue stuff from practices and games. So as we move forward now, Brian, just kind of a reminder for everybody about what we're looking at from a schedule perspective. Um, For the Mavs, a week from today, as we record this podcast on July 16th, on July 23rd, 
They'll play their first scrimmage game. Now, that first scrimmage is going to only be a 40-minute, not a 48-minute game. Uh, then they will play normal 48-minute games in their second and third scrimmages, uh, as everybody else will. Uh, you know, that, that's how it's going to be handled down there. Uh, everybody's first scrimmage will be a 40-minute game, then normal 12-minute quarter, 48-minute games after that. Uh, the 26th and the 28th are the dates of those other two games for the Mavs. And some broadcast news, uh, we are going to televise on Fox Sports Southwest the third scrimmage on July 28, 7.30 Central Time against the Philadelphia 76ers. So I know that, uh, you know, we talked about it. People have asked about it. There's a, there's a hunger and thirst, whatever you want to call it, for basketball and all sports for that matter right now. And so uh, there'll be a little bit quenching of that thirst. Arenas that the regular games are going to be played or on these practice courts? No, they'll be in, they'll be in one of the three arenas in which games will be played. Yep. yep. And Rick did say in his availability, I think on Thursday, that – the, where the Mavericks practice, I think they practice on the Orlando court. I don't know if they sent their own court down, that it's right next to, you know, you can kind of peek your head around a curtain and see the arena. Yeah. And that there's some cool stuff from a broadcast perspective in, in, in arena kind of, you know, atmospherics that, that are going to be there. Well, that, that's something I can, I can share with our listeners today as well, is that we just have had today, as a matter of fact, a webinar with the NBA, a Zoom, Zoom webinar, uh, that went over uh, a lot of the things that they have prepared. And, and I, as I would say, along the lines of health protocol that was prepared for the bubble, in terms of what the NBA is getting ready to try to do to make this broadcast and enhance this experience and make it uh, as, as, as normal as you could possibly be for a viewer from what we're accustomed to seeing, but then also giving innovative and alternative options, if you understand what I'm saying. So they're, they're trying to, to make it something that's going to feel like an, a regular arena with how they're going to have the floors mic'd, what they're going to do for other enhancements of sound and sounds that will be like prompts that you would hear during an NBA arena during a normal game, and then other additions that they're going to make, alternative viewing channels and things like that that they have planned. It's, it's really impressive, and I was just almost in awe watching our call today and hearing about some of the things that uh, they're going to, to attempt to do. It's ambitious, but I, I really, uh, you know, again, I'm just so impressed by the level of planning and preparation that the league is putting into this. And you were telling me they're going to superimpose Thunderman on the screen when that song is played. <laughs> they so. are, yeah. I think uh, I, they didn't specifically say that, but they alluded to something along those lines. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> now we are going to have uh, the greatness of Mike Breen on our podcast next week to yep. go into uh, some detail on the the broadcasting bubble, and so you and he can geek out about all things broadcast. So that'll yep. be a fun uh, a fun conversation with him. Uh, there is a bit of NBA news that came out today. Uh, Zion Williamson had to leave the bubble yes. to uh, attend to a family medical matter. Um, and, you know, we don't know all the specifics, but he could be uh, out for anywhere from, you know, four to 10 or 14 days. Now, I don't think the 14 day one's going to come into play because that's an unexcused absence. Right. And this uh, uh, will be an excused one. Mm-hmm. Um, but. It's four days if he gets tested every day he's gone, which is seems hard to pull off. Right. 
especially given that he's obviously tending to to a an urgent family medical matter, right. as you noted. So so that might be. Uh, and as know. well, if he travels commercial, which you know I don't know, but you would assume maybe that's the case as well. Right. Um, so you know we're talking about ten days, but that's ten days from when he gets back. So it's very possible that he's not uh, available for the beginning of the seeding games, and this yeah. is the first kind of major name we you know we've worried about a coronavirus positive test that would keep somebody out but this is the first major name where um actual competitive issues come into play because you're losing you know one of your best players yeah and then uh, you know from the Mavs perspective they're going to play and we'll have more on that here in a little bit but they'll play the Rockets and who knows what the status of Russell Westbrook yeah he's is not entered be. uh uh the facility James Harden just practiced uh Thursday you know the 16th the first time yep and Russell Westbrook um, is recovering from his positive test that he disclosed and has not entered the Orlando. So he's got to go through his 48 hours and tests and then get up to speed. And like you said, we're only, you know, two weeks away. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what these scrimmages look like from a Mavs perspective. Uh, you know, Rick didn't divulge a whole lot because I'm not sure that they're there yet in terms of uh, what their what their plans are, uh, how much they'll look like a regular preseason game, how much they might uh, look closer to uh, a regular season game because you're trying to get everybody ready to go. Uh, how they approach these things will be very interesting when they get started here in a week. And you guys, from a broadcast perspective, you're just going to treat it like a test run, regular game when we do our game on the yeah. 28th, yeah, I, I think that uh, because it's not a game that counts in the standings, that will give us a chance to kind of, uh, you know, make sure that we're telling everybody that does, you know, you and I eat, sleep, and breathe this. And sometimes I think we forget that not everybody out there does. And so maybe not everybody understands, uh, you know, what exactly is happening in Orlando from a, from a uh, formatic standpoint of teams, uh, from a technical standpoint. And some people won't care about what's happening from a technical broadcast standpoint, but some people will. And I think there's some cool st stories to tell from that regard. Um, and, and some people may, you know, look, I, I did a, my weekly visit with the Hardline today. And I mean, I think this is a serious part of it, too, is you've got to kind of catch people back up to where we were, because uh, when when we recorded, as you'll hear us talking in a little bit, our interview with Craig Ackerman for the Rockets, the Mavericks first opponent, uh, he said that when when the NBA season stopped for them, they were on uh, on their way out on a road trip. They had just won a game ending a four game losing streak. Man, I don't remember that. That right. they were. I mean, so there's just a lot of things that I think we take for granted uh, that when you're you know, when you're in the rhythm of a season, Brian, and it's game, day off, game, day off, you know, you understand the ebb and flow. You know everything that's going on within the season. And it's been over four months. And, I mean, I'm not embarrassed to say there's just there's things about the way uh, the season was unfolding for the Mavs that I don't have the best recollection of right now. And so the next couple of weeks is going to be reintegrating in terms of getting familiar with where things were and and the other thing is, you know, how that even is going to apply to, to, to what happens in two weeks. Um, for example, we've recorded a preview show, did it yesterday at Fox Sports Southwest. It's going to be airing numerous times. They don't have the dates on it yet, but a 30-minute preview show that Derek Harper and I did for the restart. And Skin interviews Seth Curry on the restart, uh, about the restart of the season. He has a, a pre-taped Zoom interview with Seth from the bubble. 
And one of the things that Seth said when he was talking about the restart of the season and the season that he was having is, I'm not even thinking about that. That's a distant memory to me. So what I was doing four months ago in terms of how well he was shooting three-pointers and how well he was playing, he said, that doesn't matter to me right now. This is just like a whole new season, basically. And so what I was doing four months ago doesn't really apply at this point. Yeah, in a couple of weeks, our last podcast before the, the first regular game, we'll, we'll get into a little bit more of the nuts and bolts. But, I, you know, if you don't think that Rick has spent untold number of hours trying to solve the clutch game, end of game issues, right. uh, you're crazy. Yeah. I, you know, I think it's the good news is hopefully that's something that uh, the kinks, you know, they can really work on uh, during this training camp time. But it's something that the coaches I know have probably spent a lot of time trying to to iron out. I think one of the biggest stories for me, and we'll, you know, we'll drill down on this farther as we get closer, but one of the things that may help the the close game issue is that they're going to presumably go into this with a Luca that's going to resemble the Luca that we saw at the beginning of the season and not the Luca who was still very, very good, obviously, but the one that was having to play through fatigue because of workload, uh, you know, no rest to speak of at the All-Star break because obviously he was part of the All-Star weekend as a starter in the game, of course. Uh, the nagging thumb injury, the nagging ankle injuries. Uh, and again, he just has to play very hard, difficult minutes when he was on the floor. And I think we had seen that that had taken its toll. So, uh, you know, I told the guys in my, my interview on the ticket today and would say it here as well, that one of the biggest stories for me, one of the things that you do look at that relates from, from the stoppage of the season until now is Luca getting fresh, Luca having that time off, and maybe that manifests itself in him having more energy and being better, stronger, more equipped to assert his will on games at the end in clutch time and help solve some of those issues. Now, that does apply to other teams as well, and James Harden's a prime right. example, somebody that's, who no, always tired out in the playoffs, and he's going to be fresh and has lost some weight as well. But I think the overarching kind of theme as we're kind of uh, you know, a week into this is uh, things seem to be working. Yes. You know, I think there have been a couple of positive tests. Those people have been removed from the hotel uh, and, and removed from the area. But, you know, I have been someone that's probably a little bit higher on the optimistic scale than you, and you've been pretty optimistic. You've been pragmatically optimistic. I've yeah. probably been a tad more optimistic. We've had doom and gloomers, but, you know, I, I, it, it, it looks like everything is going as according to plan. And listen, there's going to be pivots. They've added antibody testing to make sure that there aren't false positives from people who have already, you know, been positive, so they're mm-hmm. not held out for no reason. Um, this is all proactive uh, efforts from the league. So, you know, as long as they can uh, hold back from the Postmates deliveries and the Nookie Girls <laughs> uh, and Ugly Betty or whoever said that she already been contacted from a player to get some action, uh, you know, we should be finally getting to some some basketball here pretty soon and that will be against the Rockets and so no better way to preview than that their play-by-play voice your counterpart Craig Ackerman and our awesome discussion with him about the Rockets and a trip down memory lane for myself all right Brian well as we're fond of saying here on 77 minutes in heaven uh it is a-list guest after a-list guest throughout this time of quarantine and we continue with that Maybe for the first time in NBA podcast history, 
we're previewing a regular season game two weeks out. This is very NFL of us to do something like this. But, of course, we're very excited that the NBA is coming back. And the first game for the Mavericks is going to be in two weeks against the Houston Rockets. And there's a lot riding uh, on that game. Not only the return of the NBA, but there are things that matter as it relates to the standings. So this game deserves a lot of conversation. And to join us with that conversation with a lot of perspective on the Houston side of things is their extremely nice and also extremely talented radio voice. And he does TV whenever Bill Worrell is not doing TV broadcasts. So radio and television play-by-play for the Houston Rockets. Proud to call him a friend, except for the four times a year that the Mavs and Rockets play each other. The great Craig Ackerman, ladies and gentlemen. Hi, Craig. Wow, that was quite the inter- introduction, Mark. How you doing? I appreciate you having me on. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it's uh, it's a very, very generous of your time to join us. We're looking forward to chit-chatting, and uh, we, we have things to talk about. Houston, of course, uh, with, with Brian and Craig here at the end. But first things first, um, you know, you have, uh, like all of us who love this league so much, uh, have watched and endured, as we all have in life, not just uh, from basketball fandom, uh, a challenging and unprecedented time. So since the league went away on March the 11th, uh, from your perspective, what has life been like for Craig Ackerman in Houston, Texas? Well, you know, I've been asked that question several times, and I'll start with this. Um, I have been – I was the eternal optimist um, from uh, the moment that – let me backtrack a little bit. So the Rockets' last game was March the 10th. They ended a a four-game losing streak with a home win against Minnesota. Uh, the next day, we were um, going to be heading out to L.A. to play the Lakers and Blazers uh, on a road trip. Uh, and in mid-flight is when we found out that uh, Rudy Gobert had tested positive. And so we turned around and came back. Wow. Um, and so ever since that moment, uh, I have been convinced and optimistic that the league was going to resume. Um uh, I, I never wavered on that. A, you know, a lot of people uh, that I know um, kind of questioned uh, that type of confidence, but I was extremely confident that the league was going uh, to resume play. And much like you, as you mentioned, and everybody else associated with this league, um, incredibly anxious and excited um, to get back to work. Um, to be perfectly honest with you, I mean, th- these have been challenging and unprecedented, to- unprecedented times. Um you know, for the most part, I've, I've stayed indoors and done my part and um, and stayed socially distant from people. Um, but I've kind of looked at this time as sort of an off-season. Uh, I know you do a little, lot more uh, in your off-season since you're involved with, with soccer. Um, but for me, you know, once the season ends, the season ends. And, you know, you go from being really busy for six months to all of a sudden everything Stopping at an instant, uh, typically uh, being unceremoniously bounced uh, from a playoff series, which doesn't taste or feel good uh, for the first couple of weeks. But um, so that's kind of why I've approached it. Uh, my off season uh, caught up with a lot of projects around the house, like I normally do. Uh, spent time with the family, uh, and so that's kind of how I've treated everything uh, over the last four months. And again, I had been incredibly optimistic that we would be. Uh, back working. Initially, I thought it would be a little bit sooner than this, but I'm really excited. Scrimmage games uh, start here just around the corner, and then the, the seeding games start on the 30th, and our game, of course, uh, beginning on the 31st. And Very much looking forward to that, looking forward to the playoffs, and, and seeing how ultimately all this shakes out. 
Craig, obviously, you and I and, and our fans, uh, fan, respective fans of our teams, will be watching each other very closely given the proximity of Dallas and Houston in the standings. Mm-hmm. So, so we'll explore that a little bit more here in a moment. But, but give us a big-picture update to the degree that you can on, on – and obviously there will be some specific players, of course, we're going to ask you about here in a minute, and you know where that's headed. But, but just from mm-hmm. a big-picture standpoint, uh, what can you tell us about what, uh, what things were like for the Rockets when you opened the practice facility and, and how they, they were able to relay information to you about how that was going and what you understand things have been like so far in the first week of the bubble in terms of uh, getting adjusted to it and obviously getting work done on the practice floor? Well, up up until the um, up until Russell Westbrook uh, mentioned that he had tested uh, positive, um, as far as I was aware and informed, uh, everything in terms of them opening the practice facility and guys coming in who were in town, a lot of the team was scattered uh, in their various uh, home bases. Was in Orlando, and Robert Covington was in Tennessee, and you know James and Russ were in L.A. or Arizona. Um, so a lot of the guys were kind of scattered uh, throughout, but those who were here in town partook uh, in, in those workouts once the facility opened. Um, by all looks of things, it seems like the vast majority of players on this team took the time seriously to either remain in tip-top condition or get in better condition and lose some weight in the in, in, in regards to Eric Gordon, uh, get 100% healthy. Uh, he was not having a good season because of various injuries and so forth, and he says he's 100% healthy. He dropped 10, 15 pounds uh, as well. So it seems like in terms of the players' preparation in the pseudo-offseason, if you will, uh, they, much like a lot of the, the guys in the league, apparently took this time uh, to work uh, and condition and lose weight and get into great shape. And it just seems like the mentality has been that, the season was going to resume and, and the players wanted to be uh, ready for it. And so, and, and outside of James uh, Harden just arriving the other day uh, to Orlando and not being there initially for the first couple of practices, not ideal, obviously not having Russ there uh, yet as well as not necessarily uh, ideal, uh, but it looks like James uh, has cleared quarantine and will start practicing. So that's good. And, and Russ hopefully at some point uh, will be, uh, there soon, although the coaches don't seem to be overly concerned about it. So, uh, again, outside of rust testing, and we hope first and foremost that um, he remains safe and healthy, uh, things appear to be okay under the circumstances heading into the scrimmage games and the restart of the season. You know, I find the Rockets to be one of the most intriguing uh, teams in the league, and Obviously, the the big kind of overarching theme was the switch to microball at some point there in the season. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm a fan of that approach. Uh, Is this something that is viewed as as an experiment or is this kind of uh, how the the Rockets and Maury want to play going forward? Or is this a product of just the personnel that happens to be on hand at the time? Well, I think it is a product of the personnel, but it's also a product of a philosophy that from Daryl through Mike D'Antoni on through James Harden, the team's best player, they believe in strongly. Uh, And they're all in. They're absolutely all in. Now, look, Clint Capella had been a terrific player for the Rockets uh, when, when he was here. Over the last... 18 months, though, teams 
had not completely figured out, but it's somewhat figured out how to how to diminish the threat of the Harden Capella um, screen and roll, the vertical spacing that, if you will, that provided um, the Rockets' offense. And Capella was so dependent because obviously the Rockets never post up, especially they don't post up with big guys. And so he was dependent, pretty much 100% of his offense was dependent upon other guys creating for him or going up and getting offensive rebounds uh, and putbacks. And the the efficiency of that uh, had been slowly diminishing over the last 18 months and into this season um, even more so. And it's something that I, I really started to notice. Teams were taking that away from them. They were really packing the paint. And so that aspect of the Rockets offense um, was no longer there. They always played a ton of small ball anyway. Capella was never uh, effective in their multiple playoff matchups um, with the Golden State Warriors, particularly with Draymond Green. And so um, they ultimately decided that um, you know they, they wanted to commit to this full time. They got a heck of a versatile player in Robert Covington. They didn't really want to give up uh, Capella per se because they believe in his talent. Uh, but to get something, you have to give up something. And so uh, they ultimately decided that this is the way that they want to play the game. This is the way that the math tells you uh, that you need to play the game, which I think we've seen in earnest now uh, this past season in Dallas, um, rightfully so. I know a lot of people have um, especially fans who really uh, of, that, of, of the Mavs who haven't necessarily seen this all the time up and close. There are a lot of skeptics with this, uh, but Rick Carlisle has done absolutely the right thing. That's why the Mavericks have the best offense in the league and one of the best offenses in the history of the league. He's doing it the right way. And I know a lot of people are wondering why Porzingis should, should post up. He should post up. It's just not a smart way uh, to play the game. And so the Rockets believe in this philosophy 100%. Uh, and so, um, and they believe that they can make up uh, with this lineup some of the discrepancies that you would have with a smaller lineup, i.e., rebounding. Um, and they think this is the best way, the best chance uh, that they have this season and moving forward with this personnel to compete and win a title. And so they're all in. You know, it's interesting. The Mavs really are a, a similar team. It just happens that our five, uh, when Porzingis is playing five, is, is a. He's a rim defender, but he can also shoot from 28 feet. That's why he's called the unicorn. Um, but right. w- when Powell was in there before his injury, uh, it was similar to a kind of a Capella style where he was a roll man and lobs and, and, and you know, had to have the, the game developed for him. So, it, you know, now without him because of injury, we're basically playing the same style as the Rockets, except that we have somebody, you know, taller and can rebound and, and do those things effectively. So, you know, the, I think a lot of people look at the size only, but, you know, the style really is similar with both teams. Right. And by the way, Dwight Powell, I'm a huge fan of, of Dwight Powell. This guy is one of the most productive players in the league uh, in terms of his efficiency and in terms of the minutes uh, that he's given. I think, I think he's – and his loss, obviously, is, is a big one. Um, but, I mean, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the math – the whole league – and here's another aspect of the whole Clint Capella thing. The Rockets have obviously been at the forefront of analytics and this movement uh, for quite some time, and it really kicked in in earnest three seasons ago when Chris Paul first arrived, and the Rockets jumped out of the starting blocks with an amazing record and won 65 games and had their, their best season in, 
in franchise history. But since that point, pretty much overnight, and especially this past offseason, going into this season, it seems like two-thirds, upwards maybe 75 80% of the league now has, maybe they don't necessarily take it to the extremes that the Rockets do, but the vast majority of the NBA plays this way. And so the Rockets are always trying to find an edge, something that can separate themselves from the rest of the pack. And they think this is a way that they can get that edge by doing something that most teams aren't doing and is very difficult for other teams uh, to match up with. And so it's it's been fascinating. It was a mixed bag, obviously, um, before um, the season was suspended. Uh, hopefully this time with this, this training camp and a lot of new faces that they picked up around the tra- uh, trade deadline, they can – they can refine um, their approach and um, add to what they really did well and try to avoid the things uh, that they did. But ultimately, they think this is the lineup. This is the group. This is a very talented team. They think this is the, the separation, the edge, if you will, um, that can get them over the top. And we'll just have to wait and see whether or not they're right. We're chatting with Craig Ackerman, voice of the Rockets, the Mavericks' first opponent when the season restarts in Orlando, coming up on July 31st as you listen to the 77 Minutes in Heaven, the Mavericks podcast on the Athletic NBA Podcast Network. Uh, Craig, to the degree that you can answer this question, uh, and, and I know there's, there's uh, you know, it's, it's not the easiest question to answer because we're, dealing, we're talking about somebody's health here, but what has been communicated to you that you can share with us as it relates to what's happening with Russell Westbrook uh, and uh, his situation and getting ready for the first game against the Mavs? Uh, same stuff that, that everybody else has heard. I don't, I don't have any other specific uh, information. He mentioned that uh, he's feeling fine. And um, I, my assumption would be that uh, he's, he's, you know, waiting for the appropriate uh, quarantine time to pass and the appropriate um, uh, what will hopefully be continued um, negative tests before he ultimately uh, travels uh, to Orlando and rejoins the team. As I mentioned earlier, it's this from a team perspective, from what their goal is to make a deep playoff run again, not having him there right now is not ideal. You would much rather have Russell Westbrook completely healthy and with the team Orlando and practicing and preparing and getting, getting ready uh, for the restart of the season with that game against the Mavs. Um, so uh, and it's less than ideal, but according to Russ, uh, he's feeling fine. He's doing okay. Let's hope that remains uh, to be uh, the case. Uh, they need him, obviously. He has been on an amazing run this season. Um, and, and, and I guess another component of the Rockets going full small ball is that their personnel changed from Chris Paul to Russell Westbrook, and this is what they think is best to unlock uh, good Russell Westbrook, as we've all seen uh there's good rust, there's bad rust, um, and they want to make him the most efficient player they possibly can, and that means opening up the lane and allowing him to do what he does best, which is play downhill and attack the basket. And quite frankly, in the two and a half, three months uh, preceding the suspension, he was as efficient as he's been his entire career. From So from a Westbrook perspective, it absolutely uh, was working. And again, we'll just keep our fingers crossed that he is healthy, he will be okay. He will rejoin the team sooner rather than later and, and be ready to go because uh, it's pretty obvious they're not going to make a, play, a, a deep playoff run without him. 
So as, as we head into the bubble restart, uh, as I noted earlier, uh, our respective teams are a game and a half apart in the standings. I believe that that uh, that the Rockets and Thunder have the same record, obviously mm-hmm. really close to Utah and Denver as well. But, of course, these games are being played under uh, circumstances never seen before. There's not going to be home court advantage. Who knows how that's going to impact the playoffs? Uh, you, you, you just spoke at length, obviously, about the Westbrook situation. We don't know what that's going to mean for the first game of the restart so having having set the table with all of that Craig and and as it as it relates to that first game between the Mavs and the Rockets what do you think the mindset is for Houston in terms of how they approach the seeding games is it is it win as many as you can is it just get ready are they worried about the standings because there's no home court so that takes that part of the equation out what do you think as it relates to 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 that first game and and all the games for that matter what do you think that your coaching staff is is thinking and preparing for as they get ready for the restart i think i I think they would prefer to win them all as would every staff i i think um i think maybe mike has expressed this in the last couple of days that uh maybe perhaps where they ultimately finish uh isn't as important as it normally would be because i guess you mentioned there's no home court advantage i think and what all this is going to come down to is the, the two la teams pretty much i mean i get the nuggets the nuggets have a have a shot at finishing high as high as, as number two but i feel pretty confident in saying that the lakers and clippers have the top two seeds pretty much locked up and so i think everybody else from that point will Again, everybody's playing to win as much as they possibly can, but I think maybe some of the chess match will come down to matchups. Um, who would, if they have an opportunity to control, perhaps who they might play uh, in in the first round, and perhaps looking one step further, who they might match up with uh, up with in the second round. And I think that's probably going to be something that all of these teams, three through seven. Um, are probably going to be thinking as these games progress, um, who would we rather play in the first round? Uh, if we ended up winning that first round series, who would we rather play in the next round, either the Lakers or the Clippers? So I, I think uh, they may not necessarily admit that publicly, but I think matchups because of this unique situation uh, might play a, a bigger role than, than usual in terms of how you maybe see the back four of these eight games um, uh, turn out. Um, you know, for instance, the, the Rockets, you know, they've been Utah the last, you know, couple of years in the playoffs. They've matched up well with them. They've historically matched up extremely well um, with, with the Denver Nuggets. Um, uh, and, and so, you know, and maybe – Maybe, and so maybe some of that will go into how they approach the latter half of these eight games, but um, but it will be interesting, um, uh, you know, um, h- how they how they go. The Rockets' first four are, are pretty darn tough. The the final four uh, aren't quite uh, as difficult as the first four games. So uh, it'll be fascinating to see how it all plays out. 
Well, now, now you know, Craig, that on this podcast, of course, we're obviously MFFL. And, uh, you know, we've, we've known each other for a long time. You know that this is 21 right. years announcing games with the Mavs or me. Uh, and, and to my left, uh, as we record this podcast, is, is Brian Damaris, who was the former director of analytics for the Mavericks back in 2002, 2003, 4, 5, that time frame. So he's MFFL as well. This guy's got a bat phone to Dirk, basically, Craig. So, so you, but, but I tell you all of this. Uh, as a backdrop to make sure that you understand that Brian is a native of Houston, and there was a point in time when he listened to your legendary predecessor, Gene Peterson. I mean, it was right. not uncommon for Brian to listen, for his, for his parents to yell at him, because he was like underneath the pillow with his transistor radio, listening to Rockets games on the radio when he was growing up in Houston. Do I have that right, Brian? Yes, my parents, of course, were too cheap to get HSE, so the home games I had to listen to on the radio. <laughs> And Where'd I spent, you get high school? Uh, St. John's. Okay. And so okay. I, uh, I spent many a night punching the pillow because, of course, Gene Peterson would, uh, you know, it was uh, back in the end, Carmelo traveling, no call. You know, you were just, you were insistent that the refs had screwed the Rockets yet again, and I loved it. <laughs> no, Gene, no way. Yeah, no chance he would <laughs> do that. But he was excellent. And as I told Followell right before we record this podcast, I actually uh, washed Bill Royal's car in like the 80s when I worked at a car wash in Sugarland. Uh, so I, I have history with, with both of the play-by-play announcers at some level because uh, Houston, you know, Dallas is my home, but Houston's my hometown. And much to the chagrin of my family and friends down there, uh, I, I did switch once the Mavs started paying me. That I, I was able to be bought. Um, but I do, we I, do, all are. I do have a Rockets right. question because one thing that still sticks in my craw and after watching the last dance, it got me angered yet even again. And I've tried to convince Followell of this, but please try to talk to Followell and everybody else about taking the asterisks away from those 94 and 95 titles for the Rockets. Because I, I insist that maybe the first team would have had some difficulty, but the second team with Clyde would have, uh, would have beaten Jordan. Uh, you know what? I've talked to you know we did some uh, some virtual chats with some ex players and and uh, actually and now for some reason I, I I'm feeling uh, em- embarrassed. Uh, the executive producer of uh, actually did an interview of the executive. I think that's his title of the um, of the Last Dance. Uh, I asked him. I said, you know, did you have that subject ever come up with Michael? And he said, no, not really, because you, you know what would Michael's answer be uh, with that? And I was like, yeah, I figured. That, that would be his answer. Um, but you know what's funny is here we are 25 years after the, the Rockets' second uh, championship. Um, and at least in these parts, especially with the last dance earlier um, this summer, uh, th- th- it's still a, uh, you know, a hotly uh, debated topic. Uh, during the Bulls' first three-peat, um, the, the Rockets, uh, I believe they were five and one against the Bulls during that time. Um, you know, the Rockets personnel, like they had the best player on the planet was Michael Jordan. During that time, Hakeem Olajuwon was number two. And it's, those two will always be linked with one another. I mean, Dream was actually taken ahead of Michael in the same draft. Um, they both had Hall of Fame careers. Uh, the Bulls had nobody, not Bill Lennington, not Luke Longley, nobody. Uh, nobody could stop Hakeem Olajuwon. Obviously, nobody for the Rockets could stop Michael Jordan, but Vernon Maxwell during that era was as good of a defender as there was on Michael in the league at the time. Uh, he certainly made uh, him 
earn his keep. He wouldn't stop him, but he certainly made his uh, made him uh, earn his keep. Uh, I think the Rockets' personnel matched up with them um, uh, very well. Um, and I, you know, honestly, I think the Rockets absolutely, if Michael was still in the league, and he and he was still in the league uh, when he did, he ultimately did uh, come back, but uh, didn't get to the didn't get to the finals. But uh, I think the Rockets absolutely would have won. Uh, a title against the Bulls if they would have matched up at some point there in the mid-1990s, but alas, uh, they didn't. And uh, at least people here in Houston feel very comfortable with the fact that there is no asterisk, and that's something that's just put on by everybody outside of uh, the city of Houston. And 25 years after the fact, people still get pretty emotional and uh, about that very topic. Um, I actually started working with the Rockets in 1994, uh, so I've been around forever. Um, so those memories for me were uh, extremely fond memories. That was, you know, during the time where I really sort of formed uh, significant sports allegiances. And to, to grow up uh, here, for the most part, I'm from Ohio, but I've been in Houston since I was five. Um, to grow up uh, watching that team, rooting for the team, uh, listening to Gene Peterson, and then uh, working with them and then having a chance to succeed them. Uh, and then, you know, sort of simultaneously with Bill Worrell as well, it's kind of been you know, sort of, sort of a, a pinch-yourself uh, dream-come-true uh, situation for me. But I think the Rockets absolutely would have matched up extremely well with the Bulls uh, during that era, and I think it's uh, unfortunate that uh, ultimate, ultimately it never happened. Well, it was a lot of fun watching The Last Dance and, and certainly fun to uh, relive it also from the Rockets' perspective. And, you know, I've, I've loved the highlights. Uh, we were over here recording the podcast one day, Craig, and uh, the the Kiss of Death game was on with, with uh, Mario Eli. So, so I was uh-huh. sitting here with Damaris watching that. And, and uh, Game 7 and 94 was over here. Every time I come over here, there's a Rockets game from, like, the 80s or 90s that Brian wants me to watch that happens to be replayed re- on NBA TV. $300 in my pocket for a ticket to Game 7 against the Knicks, and no tickets available. I watched it at Chewy's. <laughs> yeah. You, you have those, uh, those Clutch City um, – uh, uh, boy, VHS tapes? I don't, but I do have the, uh, I was cleaning my uh, kind of office closet, and I, I do have the Houston Chronicle from the, from the next morning. Okay, I got all, that as all well. Yeah, those, those, were, those, those, were, those were good times back in the day. I was much younger than I am uh, now and uh, enjoyed myself certainly with the, with the championship celebrations, but uh, yeah, those, those were good times. Like Akeem Olajuwon, one of the all-time greats, and and, um, you know, you go back to those, you know, those, those times, and it's finally it was, it was way past time that Rudy T got into the Hall of Fame. Uh, everybody around Amen. here is that that Rudy got into the Hall of Fame. You know, Rudy was a, a coach that was sort of ahead of his time as well. I mean, th- those Rockets teams that won the two championships led the NBA in both threes attempted and threes made. Now we're talking like 16, 18, 22 a game on attempts, which is, Basically, on a James Harden will take 23 point attempts uh, by himself in a game now. But uh, they understood the value of floor spacing and what what threes gave them. And instead of you know sort of playing from the outside in, the allow the, the amount of room it gave Akeem Olajuwon to operate uh, down low, and it ultimately make decisions to pass out of of double teams and then the swing and swing and find an open three point shooter. So they understood the value of floor spacing. Uh, back then, and I think that's a big reason why I think they they would have they would have matched up pretty well with Chicago. 
Well, Craig, when I texted you about coming on, I said we would visit for 15 minutes or so, and now I look down and see that we've been talking for 30 minutes. So since we've kept you twice as long as I said we would, we, will, okay. we, we, we will bid adieu to you and uh, wish you good luck. And I'm sorry that we're not going to see each other when the uh, season resumes yeah. in two weeks, but I look forward to our respective teams playing their first game against one another. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah, it will be a lot of fun. I can't believe we didn't make it to Dallas at any point this year, not preseason, yep. not otherwise. Uh, two trips to Dallas late in the season, uh, both canceled. So uh, hopefully we'll be seeing each other uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, Brian, it was a pleasure. Uh, and uh, best of luck to the Mavs. Hey, I'm a big Luka fan. Um, I think he's a hell of a player. You guys are very fortunate as an organization to go from one of the all-time greats in Dirk uh, to, to Luca in, in a very short period of time. And so the future in Dallas is, is, is very bright. And I'm looking forward to the game on, on, on the 31st. And if these two teams happen to match up uh, in the playoffs, that'll be fun as well. But thanks for the time. That's Craig Ackerman joining us here on the Athletic Podcast Network on 77 Minutes in Heaven. Thanks, Craig. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Finally talked about real basketball. Yep, we have. I'm looking forward to that game against the Rockets, man. And, and look, that's, um, that is such a big game for the Mavs in terms of really influencing getting out of that seventh spot. Now, I, now, you know, again, we'll talk a lot more about it as we get closer and as we start watching the standings unfold. But that is a massive game to start the eight seeding games for me. Uh, because that's that's a real step to getting out of that seventh spot. Now, now look, playing Denver or Utah or whomever it is that you would end up playing in the first round, if you do get out of seven, that's still going to be tough. But but in a perfect world, I sure would like for the Mavs to not have to play one of the L.A. teams in the first round. And it looks like that if you were seven, it would be the Clippers. I don't think the Lakers are sliding back to two. I, they're going to be one. The Clippers most likely are going to be two. And if you play them, you play them. And, and, you know, who knows how it'll all turn out because it is such a unique situation and there's no home court advantage. But if you're asking me right now on July 16th, hell yeah, I would like to see the Mavs get out yeah. of the seventh spot and be, be in what at least on paper would look like a more advantageous matchup. So next week we'll have uh, Mike Breen, the ESPN and ABC play-by-play voice. He does the finals. We'll talk yep. to him about uh, broadcasting these games. And don't don't let don't think that we won't let a chance to ask him about his perspective on calling the 2011 Mavs title. Yeah, well, that will uh, that will not go that will not slide by. Obviously, since that has been relived so much and seen so much throughout the four months of the NBA hiatus, we uh, we must get the perspective on the man who was courtside for all of it, calling it for ABC. And we'll see if Followell kind of pushes him around and says that, you know, he's a better broadcaster than, than Mike is. I, I highly I expect that to happen. Uh, you never know. We you have another have to tune in. We have uh, some more interesting stuff in a couple of weeks. We'll probably have some conversations more about in-game uh, theatrics and mm-hmm. people involved in that. And we'll preview um, – what is to come for the week, and then we'll be back on our regular schedule. Uh, you and I will be back on the ticket for post game, and we'll also have a little preview show on the thirty first. So uh, we are getting there, brother. Yes, sir, man. I'm I'm excited, and it's been a long wait, and just uh, you know, wifey and I are celebrating the anniversary this weekend, and then I think uh, oh. going going into quarantine myself. You know, just uh, make sure to 
to not do anything here at the very end that would mess up the chance to, to get back to work. Well, so expect it's expect some uh, drunken mezcal <laughs> tweets this weekend from Followell. We're uh, we're going to uh, a a an undisclosed ranch location. We're getting out into the country to celebrate our. It's a uh, unique anniversary celebration that we'll have this. Are you going to be so. uh, roping some steer or anything? <laughs> uh, well, there will be cattle on this ranch that we're going to go visit, but I don't know how much uh, I don't know how much cow punching uh, like Walter Brennan would have said back in the day. Cow punching? I don't know how much of that I'm going to do. We'll see. Well, happy anniversary. I, I uh, vaguely remember your wedding. I was <laughs> drunk most of the time. Or sunburned, one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, good times, and we will see you all next week. Oh, my God! Oh! Shut it down! Oh Let's go home! <laughs> it's a wrap, Doug! Man, that is a wrap.